Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints of God, what is your biggest problem? What do you think? Trouble at work? Trouble at home? Trouble at church? Is it your health? Your finances? Your worry over all the nonsense in the world? What is it? Let me help a little bit. What if you couldn't move your legs? Or your arms? What if you were paralyzed from the neck down and could feel and move nothing? You couldn't work, you couldn't play, you couldn't get anywhere unless someone brought you there and plopped you down. Now, let me ask the question again. What's your biggest problem? You guys know I'm setting you up, don't you? (laughs) When we hear of this paralyzed man in the gospel text who's carried on his, on his bed by his friends to Jesus, we think, oh, good. Jesus will, will heal the man, and he'll be able to walk. Jesus will fix his paralysis so that he can move and live. We have an, we have an instant sympathy for this man and his injuries and his sickness, and we know when he's brought to Jesus just what's going to happen. But, and this should be the first shock that we see in the text, Jesus doesn't heal him. At least not yet. At least not right at the beginning. Jesus, the text says, saw the faith of this man's friends, and he says to this paralyzed man, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. It's impossible for us to know how the man reacted or his friends. I mean, there's really one of two ways that things would have gone. They would have been sickened and shocked and disappointed. They could have said, hey, Jesus, wait a minute. We didn't, we didn't come for forgiveness. Can't you tell the guy can't walk? He needs to be healed. That could be one way they reacted. There is, of course, the other option. Again, we don't know, but I'm inclined to think that it would have gone like this, at least for the paralyzed man, that he heard these words of Jesus with great joy. And his conscience, which was burdened with sin, and it was, it was even inflamed by this injury that he had, it would, it would have brought an acute knowledge that he was unworthy of the gifts of God. And now imagine it, he hears Jesus calling him his son and bidding him to take heart and absolving him. I suspect the man heard these words with great joy. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. For these are really the most wonderful words in the entire world in the entire world. In fact, it's these words, this forgiveness of Jesus, that keeps us coming back here to this place week after week, month after month, year after year. For it's in the church that the Lord Jesus speaks these words to us over and over again. Words of comfort and words of peace and words that calm our heart and give us a good conscience and the joy and the hope and the confidence that God loves us and He has promised to forgive us. 
So we know the joy of these words. But we can't be sure exactly what happened in the mind of the man who was healed. So, so we don't know what happened in the mind of his friends. We don't know what happened in the mind of the, of the man who was healed. We don't know what, what even happened in the mind of the disciples. But, and this is a stunning thing about this particular gospel text, we do know what happened in the minds of the scribes who watched. We do know because the Holy Spirit, through the pen of St. Matthew, inspired, uh, inspired him to tell us what the scribes thought about these words of Jesus. The scribes were, remember, the Bible scholars. They would study the Scriptures, make official judgments about various, various cases of life and conduct. They would have been very well-respected people by all the people. And here they are in Nazareth, presumably to hear Jesus and maybe even to keep an eye on Him. And these scribes hear the words of Jesus that this man's, sins are, this man's sin is forgiven. And they think to themselves, blasphemy. This man, Jesus, is doing what only God can do, saying what only God can say. How dare he take upon himself the authority to forgive sins? And as soon as they think that, something very wonderful happens. For Jesus is going to address this question that they are asking in their hearts, and he's going to take it head on. And there's a reason. And the reason is because Jesus wants there to be no doubt about his word. Jesus wants there to be no question about his forgiveness. Jesus wants to cast away every whim of a question or a sideways thought about his forgiveness. Jesus wants there to be no doubt. This is simply wonderful. Here it is in the text, Matthew chapter 9, verses 3 to 5. Behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise and walk? Now, we've looked at this question before. It's a bit of a tricky question that Jesus puts to the scribes because probably just if we were to ask the question, which is more difficult to forgive sins or heal a paralyzed man, we'd have to say it's more difficult to forgive sins. In fact, when we look at the Scriptures, we see that what it takes to forgive sins is for God Himself to take upon human flesh and die on the cross. That's quite a bit more than simply speaking the Word to heal the man. So to forgive sins is a more difficult thing than to... Uh, than to heal a man, but Jesus doesn't ask which is more difficult. He asks which is more difficult to say. And that's an entirely different question, isn't it? Because to say your sins are forgiven is actually a little bit easier than to say stand up and walk because if you say stand up and walk and your word doesn't accomplish it, everyone sees it. While the word of forgiveness has no visible effect. So Jesus is going to set these two things against each other, or really, maybe perhaps better, he's going to bind them up together, and he's going to say, which do you want me to say, sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And then he goes on to say, but that you may know 
that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, so that you may see with your eyes that my word has its effect, that my word is powerful, and it can forgive sins even though you can't see it, so that you may know that I have this authority. He says to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose, and he went home. Jesus will let no doubt intrude upon his forgiveness. This is true for this paralyzed man, and it's true for us as well. Jesus forgives you your sins, and he wants you to know it, to be sure of it, to be absolutely convinced of it. This is, after all, why Jesus died on the cross to win for us the forgiveness of all of our sins. He died to purchase and redeem us and have us as his own sons and daughters. And Jesus continues to bring this forgiveness to us, to convince us and comfort us with his promises. It's why he was raised from the dead and appeared to his disciples and to his friends and to over 500 witnesses so that we would know that he has the authority to forgive sins. And it's why Jesus baptized you, so that you would be certain with the water and the word, that his work was done, that his life and death and name are for you. This is why Jesus puts his body with the bread and his blood with the wine on the altar for you to eat and drink so that you would know that his promised forgiveness is as certain in heaven as it is on earth. This is why the Lord has pastors in his church called and ordained servants of the word to preach the gospel, to pronounce the absolution, to forgive sins. This is why the Lord Jesus sent his spirit to inspire the prophets and the apostles to write down the words of the scriptures so that we would know without question, without doubt, that the Son of Man, our Lord Jesus, has the authority to forgive sins and that we would know that he has exercised that authority on us. He has forgiven our sins. He has forgiven your sins, your sin, your uncleanness. He has called and declared you to be holy and righteous and perfect in his sight. His love for you is as certain as his death and his resurrection. So, no matter what the devil throws at us, no matter what the world would tempt us with, no matter how the sinful flesh would accuse us, no matter what trouble these three would stir up, no matter how bad things get with our lives or our health or our whatever, there is no touching this certainty that you are forgiven, that you are loved by Jesus. Again, the cross of Jesus establishes his love and his forgiveness and makes it so sure and certain that it cannot be moved. 
His love and forgiveness for you is as sure as the empty tomb and his resurrection. It is as certain as your baptism. For Jesus would have us know that he has the authority to forgive sins. And he would have you know that your sins are surely forgiven. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.